Welcome to A Hero's Journey with your host, Bart Queen. Are you one of the millions of people who want to change your life but don't know where to begin? It starts with finding your voice and using your voice. Bart Queen has dedicated himself to helping you find and develop the life you were meant to lead. Now, here's your host, Bart Queen. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning to all our listeners and good afternoon to those of you on the East Coast and the rest of the world. I'm normally greeting you and saying really good morning to the West Coast. This morning, I happen to be in San Francisco in the Bay Area for work, so it's an absolute treat to say good morning to those here on the West and a good afternoon to those in the East. Guys, I'm absolutely, totally excited about our show, and I can't wait for you to meet Dr. Withers, our guest today. As I, as I listened to Dr. Withers and he, as he told me some of his story, one of my favorite quotes from Henry Thoreau came to mind. Henry Thoreau said that the mass of all men live quiet lives of desperation. And if you look up desperation, it talks about this idea of a lack of hope or not having any hope. And I can promise you today, guys, as you listen to Dr. Withers, as he shares his story, as he shares his work, if there's anything that you're going to see and hear and understand, it's this tremendous sense of hope. I so believe that each one of us are a sense of hope and a beacon of hope for those around us. So today, as we get to spend our hour together, as we share, as Dr. Wither tells his story, I want you to be absolutely inspired by the wonderful things that he's been working at. I want to make sure that each one of us can become a beacon. I want us to share what we've learned in the dark and let us share it in the light. And I want us to be that sense of hope that I know each one of us can be for others. Now, before we launch into our three segments today, around inspiration, instruction, and insight. Let me just mention a couple of things that we're working on. Guys, continue to think through if you want to be a part of globalgoals.org. Remember, it's 193 of our world leaders who got together and created an initiative, 17 initiatives globally for each one of us to get involved with. I think this is such a rare opportunity for us as human beings to be a part of humanity and move the world forward, not just as our little communities, not just in our counties or our countries, but as one human being to another, helping to make our world as a whole a better place. Remember that when you go there and if you find an initiative that you're interested in, Remember, I want you to create a one-minute video. Give us your name, which one of the initiatives that you are interested in being involved in, and then send me that video, and we're going to post that video in order to be an inspiration to others. And the second one is our outreach for cancer. Remember, if you feel like there's anyone who could use what I bring to the table around communication around a community service group or a youth group, and you'd like to make a donation to my favorite cancer support group, Cornucopia in North Carolina. If you'll make that donation, what we're exchanging it for is a one-hour keynote speech, a half an hour, excuse me, a half-day full workshop, and then a pre and a post webinar for your association, your group, 
or your listeners. So guys, feel like you can take advantage of either one of those if that's something of interest. I had an opportunity to speak with Dr. Withers about a week ago, and I hung up the phone and I was on cloud nine around the work that he's doing and the difference that he's doing. I don't think there are really words that I can share that will really embrace what he brings to the table, so I'm going to let Dr. Withers be able to do that. Dr. Withers, good morning to you, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. I am honored for you to be a part of the radio show today. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. And guys, if you, if you, I just want to mention that Dr. Withers is one of the 2015 CNN heroes. So he has tr- brought a tremendous amount of work and donation and heart to what he's doing for others. So, Dr. Dr. Withers, share a little bit with our listeners how you got started and go back and, and share with us how you were inspired to do this. Well, thank you, yes. Um, so I was very, very fortunate um, growing up in a family um, with a family practice dad. He used to make house calls in rural Pennsylvania, and he would take me along as a kid. And then my mom was a nurse, and I actually learned to parallel park doing Meals on Wheels. So that's the kind of family I grew up in. We went to Central America um, on three occasions when I was a teenager to do medical work in Nicaragua, Guatemala, and St. Lucia. Um, And so when I got into medical school, I I took along this sense that um, healthcare medicine was a lot more than just um, the pills and the medications, but a real involvement and an understanding of people uh, in their homes or wherever it is that they lived. And I was uh, able to become a teaching physician within the Pittsburgh Mercy Health System here in Pittsburgh. And uh, I just thought, you know, we need to get out of the hospital. We're, uh, we know what we're doing here, but we really don't often know how people's lives really are. And so I got interested in looking locally for some place where we wouldn't be in our terms. We would be on someone else's terms. And I wanted to kind of really push that as far as I could. And I began thinking about the people who were sleeping under the bridges of our city um, in the alleyways and, and such. And, and so as a teaching physician, I, uh, I thought, this is a great classroom. This is a place where we can learn how to work with folks who often are not getting care and whose world looks really different than what we're actually used to. Well, and you've you definitely reached out there and done that. You know, Dr. Withers, when I was listening to you share the story, I, I was actually thinking of just kind of a, a personal sense of my own faith and being able to, you know, step, step outside of the building, get out into the world and get, in, get involved with it. So how, how was it that you made that first initial step and, and worked your way out onto the street? Yeah, it was... Um I knew what I needed, what I felt I thought would be uh, the right thing for for both my own learning and also for my students. But it was a it was a puzzle. How do you how does a doctor 
um, enter the street culture? How do you how do you connect with people that are um, sleeping on the streets? And so I began to look around at different resources, trying to educate myself on homeless health care. And I realized there was a lot of things going on, but still nobody seemed to be going out on the streets and actually going into the places where people were sleeping outside. Eventually, I did find what I needed, which was a a guide. Um, There was a, a fellow named Mike who had been homeless himself in the past. And he, for about six years, was taking food and blankets and things out to the people sleeping outdoors. And he agreed to take me with him. Uh, He had two conditions. (laughs) He said, you can't dress like a doctor and uh, you can't act like a jerk. And I'm paraphrasing what he said. But um, I was so determined to be able to do this that I went to my uh, church library and there was a book there called 52 Ways to Help the Homeless. And in it, there's a chapter that tells you how to dress like a homeless person and mingle amongst folks that are homeless. And so I followed that pretty well. And uh, there I was in my backyard putting dirt on my clothes. And I remember my little three boys came out and asked me, what are you doing, Daddy? <laughs> and I, uh, I tried to explain that I was going to go visit people without homes and um, and so when I showed up, Mike said, well, you've got the look, uh, see if you can keep up and off we went. Um, and that's how it really began. Mike and I just started going out to the campsites and meeting the people. Um, it pretty quickly, um, I had to explain myself to the homeless, even to the police. And, um, I got comfortable with maybe, you know, doing medical care as best I could out there. So I had a backpack and I began treating wounds and uh, infections and blood pressure issues, which I was comfortable doing. But I realized how many people were suffering and how sick they were, how disillusioned and hopeless they had really become. I think um, I really liked your um, observation in the beginning because if there was one thing I think that was the most profound um, point of suffering. It was a lack of hope out there on the street. Dr. Withers, when you went to try to enter this culture, that, that makes me think about as we reach out and we help people, how we have to become more and more like them, walk in their shoes, understand what they think, what they feel, what their lives are really like, and then we can kind of reach out in very special ways that will make a difference. What were, would you say, were the three biggest challenges you faced as you tried to enter into that culture and get accepted? Well, probably the biggest thing was what Mike supplied, which is someone that they trusted that would vouch for me. Um, and so there was a there was a transfer of trust um, from their relationship with Mike to me. Very quickly, um, people realized that I was a physician. Um, 
I had to show ID a couple times to the police, but um, the thing that why fascinating did, me was Dr. how Jim, the... Um, why, why did you have to do that? Well, they figured that I was... Um, well, we, we <laughs> sometimes we were technically trespassing, and we got stopped. We looked suspicious. Um, once we were mistaken for some people that they thought had robbed a liquor store... It was it was just the way people treated you when you were you were dressed like that was really really sobering. And as soon as you sit down on the sidewalk next to uh, someone who's homeless, uh, the world just changes. Suddenly, people you become invisible. Um, people may look at you with disgust, and uh, I just got a small sense of how that that whole thing went. So. I'd say building the trust and having that that trust link there was the biggest thing. There's, you know, clearly I was concerned about danger. And um, Mike was very helpful in that respect because um, he knew how to conduct himself on the street, um, in the camps and with people. Um, And so, you know, managing that and learning about that was another was another big obstacle. And I think then, you know, what happened pretty quickly was I realized how frustrating it is to be outside and with all the difficulties they had trying to access health care. Sure. So, Dr. Withers, forgive me for interrupting, sir. We need to break for just a couple of moments. Okay. Guys, hang with us, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about this concept of transfer of trust that Dr. Dr. Withers has just shared with us. Hang on. We'll be back right after the break, guys. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Like so many others, do you put on a game face to the world? The pressures of work, home, and personal life exerts its toll on us on a daily basis. Yet, it feels risky to let others see what lies beneath the facade, let alone talk about it. What would be possible if we could connect with each other at a deeper level, in the place where our shared humanity lies? Tune into Stories from the Heart of Leadership with host Shamin Sadek to discover how to do this in your own life. Listen live every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
You are listening to A Hero's Journey with Bart Queen. To reach our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. Feel free to send Bart an email as well. The address is bart at bartqueen.com. Now, back to A Hero's Journey. Welcome back, everybody. If you're just joining us, we have the privilege and the honor of having Dr. Withers on our show with us today. Dr. Withers is one of the 2015 CNN heroes, and he's done a tremendous amount of work with the homeless from a medical perspective. When we broke from our break, Dr. Withers, we were talking about this concept that you really caught my ear, my mind, and my eye around a transfer of trust. And you were, you were sharing with us a couple of the difficulties or the challenges you faced as you tried to break into that culture. Can we come back to that? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm, you know, I've only been at this for 23 years, so I still don't consider myself a, an expert. There's so much to learn about um, individuals and groups of people who have gone through things that we can't really even imagine and have survived, but they're... Um, they're in a, dis- a different place. A lot of the thinking that preceded my street work had to do with my work with uh, domestic violence. Um, and I, I specialized in uh, working with women, particularly who were abused. And I realized that after 20 years of uh, consistent abuse, that the people trusted very few people. Um, they had lost hope that any resource would be available to them in a real way that they could make it work. And so they wouldn't really talk too much about what was really going on in their life. Um, And so I I really, really got fascinated with how do you gently come to to someone on their terms um, in a way that um, is in balance with where they're at, if you remember Job's friend in the Bible, when they, they first just sat with him for a while, um, very much like that, just gaining gaining respect and trust and, and, and a sense of safety that the person needs before they open up. Um, as a doctor, as a person, I realized that you can rush on to a game plan with people, but unless you really connect with them at a deep level where they begin sharing um, who they are, what their strengths are, what what they feel they can't do, then healing is is not possible unless you really have that foundation. So that was really has been the biggest part of the success that we've had with our street work. Um, and you have to get into the community. Um, you just can't rush in and immediately be accepted. And so I'd spend a lot of time sitting by campfires and um being there for people when it was snowing and all the things that, you know, Mike had been doing. And honestly, it was a huge privilege to have the folks on the street accept me, embrace me, and we came to really love each other. So it it went a lot beyond what you typically think of as a medical relationship. This, This sense of safety, Dr. Withers, can you, can you pinpoint for us, 
something that we, we would be able to do to apply to our own lives to create that for others. In, in class, I'm constantly always talking about being able to break an idea down into something that becomes repeatable, something that we can you know, get our hands around and do. And when I hear these things, I so think of other people that I've had on the show and my listeners as they try to reach out and make a difference in other people's lives. This transfer of trust, this sense of safety, these concepts are just awesome. Can, can you give us a little bit more insight, maybe what you did specifically to create that sense of safety? Yeah, I'm, and this, you know, we could talk for many hours. Um, a lot of what I learned, I just learned with Mike and uh, and then myself and others um, just kind of do, treating others as you would want to be treated, but understanding that they're they're not exactly like you at this moment. They've they've been through stuff that you that you have to come to understand. So just a few of the things that I'd throw out would be um, respect. On the street, um, particularly with the men, they've had respect stripped from them. Um, They've lost self-respect many times. And, you know, you can have anything you could offer someone out there. They may take it, but what they're hungering, hungering for is someone to look them in the eye and just really respect them and see them as a human being. A lot of times that attitude towards the person takes them by surprise and they're not comfortable with the fact that you actually want to know them as a human being. Um, And they have to get comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. So I find it's a really fascinating journey of finding the middle ground between sort of the, the privileged place of a physician, the safety, um, the status, and the, um, and the place where a person has been who's, who's almost a modern-day leper, who's been out there um, shamed and blamed, made mistakes, lost hope. And I think each, each, each of us has to give up a little bit of um, where we are and who we think we are to kind of reimagine ourselves in the middle ground where we're actually brothers, we're sisters, we're, we, can, we can actually forgive each other. Um, it, there's a lot of grace involved in the relationship building. People mess up. We mess up, you mess up. People aren't used to working and, ta- and relating to people in that way. It's, it's a hard, cruel world. Many of them have childhoods where they were uh, molested, beaten, and then the the experience of the street hardens people. And it actually takes a lot of courage to let your guard down and accept that someone really kind of unconditionally values who you are. That's promoted by, like I said, respect. It's, it's promoted by being consistent. Um, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. If you're not going to do it, you don't say you're going to do it. Because people feel a, a, a remarkable sense of betrayal, even with the smallest things. Um, a lot of folks want to know if if you're if you can put up with them. <laughs> they don't see themselves as very, uh, you know, very lovable. And sometimes we get pushed a little um, behaviorally to see if we if we're going to hang in there with them. Um, well, how do we, Doctor Withers? How do we? 
How do you help them see that you are not passing any type of judgment? Listening. And listening um, with affirmation. Um, Reflecting back what you see that's strong about them. I think that begins to build the trust. Um, Not sugarcoating things either. Because, you know, um, if someone's in a bad, bad place, they know it. If they're addicted to heroin or if they're doing something that's really, they're prostituting, whatever it is where they are, um, you got to let them know that you understand that, but that's not who the person is. They're, where they're at and what they're currently doing isn't, isn't really who they are. Um, there's a lot more that you see. It takes, it takes time for that to, to sink across. A sense of humor is really important. <laughs> Just joking about things in a, you know, once you get to know someone, you can, you can do that. Um, letting people give you things in terms of advice. Um, I can't tell you how many things that street people had given me. Um, books. Um, advice and letting them have the dignity of giving us something, giving me something. I realized it's a two-way street, and to get to get a sense of dignity between each other, we had it had to be a two-way street. You can't just be the the great savior that comes in and is always the one doing the great work. Um, that that strips people of their of their empowerment, of their dignity. Um, so it's very humbling, and, and people really do have a lot to offer if you just are open to it. It's, uh, it's very organic. It's hard to spell it out. Um, one of my dear friends in the past wrote a book called Souls in the Hands of a Tender God, Craig Rennebaum. He was a guru of street work. He is a minister in Seattle that worked for 30-some years on the streets, and uh, that book really is a, is a lovely um, testament to what he calls um, accompaniment, which is being with people. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to let go of some of your identity as a as a doctor in a white coat to uh, to meet people. But the rewards in terms of um, understanding what's really going on, um, making a plan that people are going to actually be part of, that they have a motivation, um, it's, it's worth it because it's the only way that folks can heal and come out of where they are. Most of, most of our medical community just either feels that those folks are hopeless or, or just says, you know, if they really wanted to, they would, they would get better. Are we talking about now, when I hear you say that, are we talking about maybe what they're doing? For example, you gave the idea idea of their heroin addiction or their or their prostitution. If those people want to get better, they can get better. But aren't we? That sounds. I'm not sure exactly how to say that. It, it sounds like that's an issue, and then it's trying to help them from a medical perspective if they're not well, if they have sores, if right. If they're not feeling well, there's that judgment piece for me. Right. I mean, it's, it's understandable. It's really frustrating, especially if you're not a professional street doctor. Um, you know, you're, you're encountering people who, who um, it just doesn't seem to work out. 
you know, they're not, they didn't finish their antibiotics. Um, you know, and I guess in a general sense, you know, why don't they get a job? Why don't they get a housing? Why don't they do the following? Um, the fact is they're freezing to death in an alley and being beaten up. And if that isn't enough motivation for someone, you know, to do the things you'd expect them to do, then you should move beyond just blaming them and try to understand what would what would explain a person still living in this kind of hell um, if you're calling it a choice, you know, what kind of choice is that? And so to me, it's just intellectual integrity to not just blame someone from a distance, but to get close enough to understand um, why is this the way it is? And um, how, can, how can I humble myself to, to learn about what's really going on for a person? There was a guy named George, and this is just a, you know, one example he, um, Dr. Dr. Withers, if, if we can, hold that example about George. We can't wait to hear about George. We need to take one more break, and then we'll come back and we'll hear about George. Great. Guys, we'll see you back in a minute. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated. Hear about success stories and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Have you ever thought of owning your own business? Are you interested in making more money? Are you interested in becoming focused and super productive? Mark your calendar every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and 2 p.m. Central Time to listen and learn from America's business expert, Bill Walsh, on The Rainmaker Show. Bill will share the untold secrets to launch and build a successful company in today's challenging economy. We'll also have top success experts and giveaways every week. Tune in to the Voice America Empowerment Channel to create success on your terms. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to A Hero's Journey with Bart Queen. To reach our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. Feel free to send Bart an email as well. The address is bart at bartqueen.com. Now, back to A Hero's Journey. 
Hey everyone, welcome back. If you just happen to join us on this segment, we have Dr. Withers on the show with us today, one of the 2015 CNN heroes. And he has just been in this last segment talking about ways <clears throat> of building trust with the people he was reaching out to, the homeless folks. We walked away with a couple of concepts that I just thought were wonderful, as Dr. Withers shared. This idea of how do we transfer trust this idea of how do we build a sense of safety with people. And then in the very end here, he was talking about this idea of people being stripped of their respect and how is it that you offer some of that back to them. And you had just shared about a book by a friend of yours called The Souls in the Hand Souls in the Hands. Was it Souls in the Hands of Tender Hands? It was Souls in the Hands of a Tender God. Ah, tender God. And you were about to share, I think, an example with this, Dr. Withers, about someone by the name of George. Right. Now, I want to say that, you know, my colleagues in emergency rooms and emergency medical services and busy areas, I have the utmost respect for any humanity that they can bring to bear because it's a very difficult work um, to be on the front lines and the police as well. Um, what we're, what's difficult is to really get to know individuals. Um, and I have a little anecdote about that. Maybe I'll, I'll tell you, but George was for me really opened my eyes. I thought I had figured him out. You know, um, we sat by the riverbank in his early days and he was a Vietnam veteran, African-American guy. The uh, African-Americans are more represented on the street population he had depression. He had um, developed an alcohol problem. So I had checked these boxes off, and I thought, well, you know, I understand why this guy um, is on the street, maybe. And then he took me aside one evening, and he said, Doc, I just need to tell you something about me. And uh, he said, you know, when I was a kid, and I hope this doesn't shock your, your listeners, but um, when I was a kid, my mother took us into the room and um, she put a gun to her head and she killed herself and we didn't know what to do. We were little kids there. And so we we ended up uh, putting her in bed and waiting for a grown-up to come. And I was shocked. I was just floored. Um, I knew that he was sharing this because he wanted me to understand that his life had not been this... Um, obvious as it looked in terms of what he'd been through and how he got to where he was. It was a, it was kind of an honor, obviously, for him to share that, but I think he just taught me a lesson there to say, you know, you don't know what a person's been through. You just don't know because uh, you haven't walked in their shoes. Um, we became really close friends. He eventually got off the street. We got him an apartment, um, but he was one of my teachers, and and so I guess I just bring that out to say that um, folks are layers and layers, and you think you you think you know someone, but I try to always reserve some room to um, realize that unless I walk those in those shoes, I just don't know what's going on with someone. Uh, that that's that's an amazing story, and it, have you kept in contact with George? Well, George, you know, this was in the early 90s. George was housed for quite a while, and then he did pass away. 
Um, he had some medical issues, but at least, you know, he was with people. We had a team that visits. We've, we've actually been able to house, this is kind of a real fishes and loaves local. We, um, we've been able to house about 1,300 chronically homeless people in apartments since um, the 90s. And uh, now I make house calls to people in their homes as well, which is really a blessing. Well, Doctor, whether share with us as you as you progressed, you were out there in the streets, you were building these relationships. Tell us how your program now has opened up. What's the full scope of what it looks like now? And maybe share with us what you have the vision of the future. Well, I'm so I'm so grateful that I put on those homeless clothes. <laughs> um, it was it was a leap of faith at the time. It was a little crazy. I didn't tell my malpractice carrier or the hospital. Um, I just did it, and um, we fixed all that later. What happened was that some nurses nurses always seem to understand these things quicker than doctors. But some nurses wanted to volunteer, and they became part of our team. We matched each each volunteer with a formerly homeless person, and pretty soon we had a program which I called Operation Safety Net. And we were caring and continue to care uh, round the clock for any person that's sleeping on the streets of Pittsburgh. It's kind of like having a fire department. Um, any homeless person can call us at 2 in the morning. Any emergency room can call and say, we have a fellow here that um, won't give us his real name. And so you never have to um, drop the ball with the care of, of um, somebody who's on the streets. That saves the community hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in terms of emergency room use, hospital admissions, length of stay, readmissions, and just getting people healthier uh, prevents the catastrophic costs that are some of the highest of any that the medical uh, system experiences. We've had students involved from the beginning. That has now grown to be incredibly popular. We have usually four medical students. We have nursing and physical therapy and other types of students with us. Um, and they really, really love it. Um, I, we love having them part of it. I have a f- conviction that we're changing the future of healthcare through this classroom of the streets, as I call it. Um, these folks go on to start their own street medicine programs in other cities. I did go to India in uh, 93, and I heard about a doctor in Calcutta who was doing the same kind of work. And so I made my way up there. I was really fortunate to get a chance to talk to Mother Teresa for almost an hour. But then I went to speak with Dr. Jack Prager, and I realized he was doing the same thing in Calcutta that I was doing in Pittsburgh. And so I have made it my mission since 93 to find anyone who's interested in doing this, to help them learn how to do it, to find people who are already doing it. And so... It's really come to the point now where it's a global movement. We had our sixth, or no, I'm sorry, our eleventh, our, our eleventh uh, international street medicine symposium in San Jose two weeks ago, and we had six continents represented: medical students and and practitioners, um, formerly homeless people. There's no gathering like it in the world, and um, really. Um, I never, ever could have imagined that things would have gone so far. I really have hope that um, we will begin to really 
globally address the hopelessness and loneliness of people who are suffering in the streets through direct care, but that we'll also advocate for getting the conditions where they'll be off the streets and that we'll create a new generation of healthcare workers that don't just sit and say nothing can be done, but who feel like I can roll up my sleeves and get out there and we can do something about whatever population they're looking at. So, gosh, I've had a blessed, blessed career and um, I really thank the folks on the street for sharing their lives with all of us. Um, In some way, they're the real heroes because they're enduring and struggling with things that we don't understand and uh, gracious enough to let us come into their lives. We're, we're, we're down to just maybe three minutes or so before this end, this segment ends, Dr. Withers. Share with us what you feel like when you walked out of that conversation with Mother Teresa. Share with the listeners what that was like. <laughs> well, I felt really lucky um, to get that moment with her at that time. Um, I was so impressed with her 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 mind. Um, she was looking forward. She wasn't looking back. She was very curious about HIV in those days, about the transmission to uh, the unborn child. That meant a great deal to her. And um, I just, I learned, I, I think I just, it reinforced to me that um, you don't have to change the world. Just work with the person and the concept right in front of you and do it well, and it will send um, waves out that can affect change. Um, I know that you understand this through your through your radio program, but uh, it was nice to have a, a living saint to, to exemplify that, exemplify that. And what about with the other doctor in Cutta that you worked with? What, what was it like to find a common heart and a common mind and a common voice at what you were doing. It was a, an epiphany for me. I, uh, I didn't feel alone. You know, I knew how important the work was. I was not going to give it up. I was really willing to die for it. But to see someone else that was older and experienced that was, had been doing it gave me a sense of permission to, to keep, keep doing it. And that's what I hope to pass on to the younger people that are getting involved in this kind of work. Well, Dr. Withers, as you know, it's not very often that we hear people say, I'm willing to die for what I believe in. Just that that statement alone is inspiration to all of us who are committed to whatever we feel like our mission is in the world. Are we truly willing to stand up and die for what we believe in? Well, I would, I would, I would wish that for people because it gives you meaning. And that's why we're on this planet. You know, God gave us a purpose, and I, I pray that you all can find it. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that has been so wonderful in the work that I have done is people will come out of, out of my class and feel like, I have my confidence now, I have my voice, I want to go talk about abuse situations, or I want to talk about helping children who are handicapped or I want to talk about my cancer experience because they want to share what they've learned in order for others to avoid the pain and the heartache that they've gone through. And to me, that's one of the greatest illustrations of that old piece of wisdom that says, 
comfort those with the comfort that we've been comforted with. Mm. And that just seems like a tremendous example of all our experiences that we have gone through have happened for a reason. And we have the ability to light the path for others behind us so they don't have to struggle so much. Right. Right. And that kind of meaning is accessible to all of us. We all have people around us that we can reach out to. Yeah, I made a note uh, on my as I'm listening to you that Mother Teresa mentioned to you or that you shared about your experience with her. Work with what you have that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Do it well. Do it. Do it with a sacred, a sense of the sacredness of it, and um, it it'll it'll have an impact. Now, when we come back from this, from our last break, Dr. Withers, I really, I want you to share clearly the vision that you've got for what you're doing, and then I want to be able to share with our listeners how, if anybody wants to get involved, how they can help you, they can become a part of your program, how we can encourage you to continue doing what you're doing as well as your team. Great. So, guys, we'll see you right back after this break. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. If you're looking for tips for personal success, look no further than DJ and the Bear, keeping you at the top of your game with your hosts, leadership and personal effectiveness consultant, Dietta Jones and Richard Dent, formerly of the champion Chicago Bears. Together as a husband and wife team, they've raised a family, owned two successful businesses, led major philanthropic initiatives through their foundation, and lived the ultimate lifestyle. Find out their secrets. Listen every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to A Hero's Journey with Bart Queen. To reach our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. Feel free to send Bart an email as well. The address is bart at bartqueen.com. Now, back to A Hero's Journey. 
everyone. Welcome back. We've been having a wonderful show with Dr. Jim Withers as he shared his experience about really creating a classroom of medicine for the streets. And as we were just chit-chatting over the break, Dr. Withers was sharing with me how we actually got to meet Mother Teresa. Dr. Withers, would you share that wonderful story with, with our listeners? Oh, oh sure. Um, so, yeah, there I was in Calcutta um, going to see Dr. Jack Prager, who has continues to work on the street. He's 84 now, I think. He's been on the streets there since 1979. But I thought, I'm, I'm in the home of Mother Teresa. I think I'll just look into this. And so I got the name of the administrator there. thought I was pretty clever of myself. And I showed up at the door, and uh, they were very kind. They asked about my work, the uh, nuns. And then I asked if I could speak to this administrator. And they looked kind of sad, and they said, well, she's very busy. But you could talk to Mother Teresa if you want. And I said, sure, that'll do. <laughs> and uh, it was that easy. Um, I didn't expect to see her at all, but um, she gave me, you know, almost an hour of her time, and she uh, she talked about the cold and was worried about how the homeless people must be suffering. She remembered as a child in Albania, but then she uh, she moved right into um, the things that she was concerned about, like HIV, and uh, she compared it to leprosy and said it's actually worse because the ch- children can be affected as well. But um, yeah, I came out of there just um, amazed at uh, the fact that I had gotten a chance just by knocking on the door. There it was. Well, that's that. That's just absolutely amazing. Those kinds of things happen for reasons. I know. I know. Paint the picture for us, Dr. Withers. I know you haven't really talked about the institute very much yet. Give us, give us what kind of the roadmap to the future is for what you're doing. Okay. Well, here, here in Pittsburgh, um, Operation Safety Net is, is our mothership, and it's by the Pittsburgh Mercy Health System. And we continue to improve services by connecting uh, all kinds of mental health and primary care to it. Um, anyone that's interested can look up Operation Safety Net and support us with uh, donations or um, monetary or volunteering. Now, as far as a global uh, spreading of this, that vision is under the Street Medicine Institute, uh, streetmedicine.org, and that really is um, the bigger vision of making street medicine a global thing. And uh, again, we can really um, use um, anything that folks can help to support that, um, mostly in terms of monetary. We don't deliver direct care through the Institute. We helped create programs that will then serve people. And we've had new ones in Prague, in um, uh, throughout the United States, in uh, Africa, South Africa, Nigeria, uh, many places. And, uh, and so I think that impact is really a, more of a global vision. And how, how is it that, that you came to think about starting a streetmedicine.org, this, this institute that would take your concepts globally. How did that come about? Well, I, I had this excitement and amazing energy whenever I would travel to another city or country and people would say, this is what I want to do or 
I didn't. I can't believe someone else is doing it. The same thing I felt when I met Dr. Prager. So I decided to uh, get them all together, and we began to have an annual international meeting. The first one was here in Pittsburgh in 2005. I had to give the field a name, so I just called it street medicine. And I felt by giving it a name, then the people we served would actually be more validated. And after about five or six years of meeting in different cities, um, I felt, you know, this is a field of medicine. It needs its own home. It's kind of homeless in that sense. And so I felt, you know, a new nonprofit just dedicated to that was called for, and we were able to set up the Street Medicine Institute officially in 2009. And they host the annual international meetings as well as helping other cities start programs. And how many people are now involved in your program, sir? We have about um, conservatively around 85. I think we're up to, in process, almost 100 sister programs that are either established or getting started um, in six continents. 100 programs in six continents since 2005. Most of those are in the United States, but... Um, it's really exciting to see the interest. Um, I think there must be at least a dozen now in in California alone. Um, but the students um, are really, really demanding this in their their uh, in their education. Which I, I get a real kick out of that when they they went to their professors and say, "Why don't we have street medicine?" <laughs> and they say, "What's that?" Um, so it's the students that are actually pulling us into a better future that way. When, when we see this ripple effect of inspiration with folks and they continue to <clears throat> take your inspiration and they expand that inspiration by adding their own inspiration to that, mm-hmm. I, that inspirational explosion that happens w- with the effect that come from that is, is always a sense of inspiration to me every single day. Dr. Withers, what a joy it has been to spend this hour with you. I know we could, you and I could spend just hours chit-chatting more and more and more, and I know the listeners would love to hear more. So, guys, if you want to get involved, you can reach out to Dr. Withers, streetmedicineinstitute.org, in any way, shape, or form that you feel like you could help him and his vision, if that's something that's on your heart and your mind would be absolutely tremendous. He's taken this from the very beginning to now over 100 programs. I just happened to notice in the San Francisco Chronicle on Sunday, there was a huge article about the homeless, and that problem is continuing to expand. And with what Dr. Withers is, he's helping solve that. Dr. Withers, you have definitely become that beacon of hope that I talked about in the very beginning so as we listen to the show, at the very beginning, everyone, I asked you to be inspired, and now I, I ask you to take your inspiration and turn it into action. Hmm. This is not something that I believe is optional. This is something I think that is required of us as one human being to another. It is our responsibility to share what we've learned in the dark and share it in the light. It is our responsibility to be a beacon to others. And it most importantly is 
key for us to be a beacon of hope to those people around us. Dr. Withers, again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Guys, we'll see you next week. Have an awesome week. Don't forget, be a beacon of hope for this week. Any way, shape, or form that you can reach out and touch someone else, make that your goal of the week. Thanks again, and we'll see you all next Monday at noon. Thanks again for tuning in to A Hero's Journey. Bart Queen will be back next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Be sure to join us again next week in order to let your life speak. We'll be right back.